0: in our spiritual journey we feel pulled in different directions. We want to have faith but we feel the tug of doubt. We come together to worship God on Sundays but Monday through Friday our work week tells a different story. We wonder how to hold convictions about our beliefs while still being compassionate toward those who think differently. Sometimes it feels like there's a tug of war within our souls. But does following Jesus have to always mean either or? Church, how are we doing this morning? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Say that with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Woo, that feels good, don't it? How many of you truly believe that today? Raise your hand. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm so grateful for that today. Even when the wheels are falling off the wagon, we can look to the Lord and find joy in what he's promised for us. Over the last two weeks, we've been doing a series on tug of war. Uh, And we first week we talked about tug of war between faith and doubt and I talked to you and told you shared with you how that when I grew up faith was over here and doubt was over here and you couldn't do this you had to do this and we've learned that sometimes when you do this it builds this and there's a tug of war that goes on last week. We talked about tug of war we talked about worship and work and I said how that we should look at our jobs. to worship not wearing a sandwich sign but giving god the glory for what he's given us i got four phone calls sunday one guy said have you lost your mind i'm in here today i listened to you yesterday it's crazy in this place it gets like that sometimes doesn't it but the joy of the lord is our strength and today i want to talk to you about the tug of war of, of compassion and conviction have you noticed i think we have a sailor in our church Because the knot is not the same as it was last week. Isn't that a pretty knot? Yeah. Anyway, before we go into this, will you pray with me as we start? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, for the way that you're working in our church. Thank you for those that came forward in the early service. Lord, we know that that's you, and Holy Spirit is at work. And we are so grateful for that. So, Father, today as we as we look into your scriptures, God, I just pray that today this word would go out, that you would give me the gift of preaching, Lord, and that people could be drawn closer to you as we struggle through this life, we can have hope, and your joy, Lord, is our strength. We pray it in the precious holy name of Jesus, and everybody together said, amen. We'll do a little survey here. If I were to ask you between two things, which do you like more? Do you like sugar, or do you like salt? Who likes sugar who likes salt yeah well that's a little different first service man they're all hooked on sugar that's why they were here early i mean it was they were jacked up second thing how about this one who who likes android better that many like who likes iphone better don't get all excited now don't get in the spirit on me relax relax and then the last one yeah You know, I prayed over this message. I thought, Lord, help me, because I hope they don't break out into, you know, like, all right, so here we go. Who likes Pepsi the best? Yeah, and who likes Coca-Cola? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in life when we do these things. We we have things in our lives that are unconsequential that we like and our preferences, and and we have things that we, you know, prefer, and and it doesn't break apart our our friendship and our fellowship. You know, as Christ followers— We have strong convictions about things. And today I'm going to talk about conviction and compassion. And I think out of all three of the messages in this series, this is the one that probably speaks the hardest and speaks the most to me. I I mean, this thing hit me like a ton of bricks. Because as a Christian, we believe God's truths and we believe in the Lord. Amen? And we believe what he said. But we live in a world where that sometimes is is a challenge. And so when we get into this and we start talking about it, sometimes people call us all kinds of names. And, and we if you get too strong on the conviction side of it and you don't have the compassion side of it, they say, well, you're judging me. Stop it. Anybody ever said, don't judge me? I mean, that become a common phrase in our society, right? Or we've been called a hypocrite at times. And even among ourselves as Christians, we don't see everything eye to eye, do we? I mean, you got Christians that believe like over here and Christians like over here and to the point sometimes that it even breaks fellowship. What's up with that? I mean, when we have convictions, we should, pro- we should hold on to those, but we'd also should have compassion. If we're passionate about something, we want to share it. Uh, you know, if you're into something, I mean, you want to talk about it, right? And when Jesus comes into your life, you can't help, but want to share it. And sometimes in these matters, we have such strong convictions on what we believe, but if we're not careful, we can get carried away and in our zeal we can even do it to the point of estranging someone from us Amen Have you ever been a astra- you know you see somebody coming, and you think oh no here I don't want to get into that Now as a pastor you never do that yeah, we all do that. I mean, that's part of who we are. Religious folks can be the worst sometimes about, about coming on to hardcore things. And, and so we have this tug of war about convictions and showing compassion. We have conflicting beliefs uh, in the world today about morality and theology. And, and so we have to watch what we're doing, but we also have to believe and trust Jesus and share our convictions. Reality is that Christians are on all sides of issues and have strong convictions about their beliefs today. Uh, most claim their position is the biblical one, and they're right right? I mean, they use the you know they use their Bible and say that this is a source of authority. It's the way they interpret it. Yet people with strong convictions can often be caused, again, accused of judging people. But we have to. We have to, in our conviction, have compassion. Question, have you ever been in a situation in your life, as we talk about this conviction thing, where someone uh, had this tug of war going, and, and you had this tug of war where you had to kind of, do I do my or do i do my conviction anybody ever have one of those several years ago i was with a group of guys and and they were we were talking and and one of them came in and he said you know i had this person they got to me man and they they hurt my feelings and it was horrible and 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 i and i'm and i don't even know what to do i'm not even going to speak i'm not going to speak to that person what do you guys think and he asked the whole group and he went around and all the guys one of the guys said, oh, i would never talk to him again do that to me Let him, i'm not going to speak to him and the other one said well i would do this and i'd do that and, and I sat there, and finally he finally come around to me. I knew it was coming. And he said to me, Kent, what would you do? And I said to him, I asked him a question. I said, let me ask you something. What is the attitude of that person right now that hurts you? What is their attitude right now? And he said, they're remorseful. They're remorseful. And so in, in, in the circle of all these people that were talking to him, I said to him, I think you should go the extra mile and st- extend a hand of forgiveness. You know what the rest of those guys in that circle did? They looked at me and they said, how special are you? Who could have made you like that? Let's see, maybe it was, uh, you know, and those of you that were in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. And they started calling me the church lady. You know, if you live out your convictions, it can can get kind of rough on you, right? But I took a stand that day. And and he came to me uh, a year later and told me that he had resolved that with his friend, and they were friends. You see, if we do the right thing and follow the right instructions, it'll work. We can have convictions, and we can also have compassion, and we can get along. I believe that. You know why? Because Jesus did it. And so I want to today, I want us to look at that, you know. I want to look at Jesus. And I, first of all, I want to set this up, though. Jesus was truth. Jesus spoke truth. I will take Jesus over anything the world has to say today. I'm going to tell you that right out of the gate. I will stand with that. I want to say this as a Christ follower. We believe that there are absolute truths in the world. Amen? We believe there are absolute truths in the world. Amen? Amen. Yes. And you know what Jesus, this John eight thirty two. look at this. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and it shall set you free. And I believe that those truths are found in the Bible today and that Jesus bore witness to those truths. And he gives us a great example of conviction and compassion. Jesus in in John 18, 37 says this, For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. That's the whole point of Jesus coming is that we can know the truth. Jesus also said in John, I'm not saying these are the words of Jesus. John 14, 6, look look what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You don't like that? Take it up with Jesus. Those aren't my words. Jesus spoke those words, and I believe those words. I believe he is the way, the truth. And that's why I think it's so important that we speak God's word. Man, this is old school preaching right here, isn't it? You don't hear a lot of this stuff anymore, but it's kind of going after it and talking about but we need to stay in God's word and to speak to the truth. We should be conviction. We should have compassion. The Bible is so important in our lives as Christians. You know, in the first service I mentioned this, they get on me in the office because I'm buying Bibles all the time. And I'm not telling you that because I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you I buy Bibles because somebody comes in our office and has a need. I give them a Bible. If you've ever walked in our office, and, and I'll ask you, do you have a Bible? And they'll say, no, and I give them a Bible, and I run out and I order more. And somebody says, well, I don't understand the Bible. I get easy versions for that. I got those over here, too. Watch this. Because I truly believe that this will change our lives for good. And I believe it's what Jesus spoke, the truth in this. You know, it even goes back in the Old Testament, though, God's truths come through. In Psalms 100, it says, his truth endures forever to all generations. And I believe that the Bible is so important. That's why I'm constantly hounding about get involved in a life group. Open your Bibles. If you're at home by yourself, open your Bible and read. 15 minutes a day, and you can cover through the whole thing in a year. 15 minutes. The Bible's important in our lives. Abraham Lincoln said this about the Bible. He said, the Bible is the best gift God has given to man, and all the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for it, we would not know. It took a while for the disciples in the New Testament to get a hold of this. But truth is real. Truth is real, and it never becomes obsolete. Our conviction. You know, there's a story I heard of a man that uh, had a music, he was a music teacher. And uh, he was in the music uh, department, and and this kid walked up, or this young man came up to him to the old teacher, and he said, hey, what's the good news to the old teacher? The teacher reached over and grabbed his tuning fork, and he hit it on the wall there. Everybody know what a tuning fork is? It's a thing that makes a pitch. And in the world, the tuning fork is, is international. It's A440 A is what it is. I'm not going to get into the piano lessons here. But, but here's the thing. He hit that and he said, that's an A. He said, that's good news to the young man. He said, this is an A. That's good news. That was an A yesterday. It's an A today. It'll be an A tomorrow. It'll be an A 5,000 years from now. The lady upstairs that sings soprano, she sings off key. The tenor that sings down the hallway sings high notes flat. The piano downstairs is out of tune. But this, my friend, is an A. And it will always be an A. My point is this. Jesus is truth. He was, he is, and he will be. Somebody say amen. I find comfort in that today. I find comfort in that. Conviction or compassion. Which is more important? Which do you think is more important? That we have compassion or that we have conviction? How do we deal with the tension? Which one should win? You know, as we look at the truth that Jesus taught, we can find the answers to these. Because we see his life, and we see the way that he lived, and we see what he did in the struggle of tension. There's several stories. When I started doing this, I I made a list, and, and you know, Diane gets to hear this this sermon about six times a week. And she's like, you can't tell all them stories. You're telling the whole New Testament. Diane's my wife, by the way. Those of you who don't know. The stories in the New Testament, though, we see where Jesus Jesus shows conviction, but he also shows compassion. There was a crowd of people gathered around Jesus one day, and there was a lady that had an issue of blood, and so she was supposed to be totally removed from society for that time, and she comes walking through the crowd, and she's pushing her way through, and she gets to Jesus, and she says, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole, and she touched him. Jesus said, who touched me? Wow. She was healed. The truths of the matter, the religious people of the day wouldn't even get close to her, but Jesus made a difference wow how about when he was going through the grain fields the day with the disciples they were hungry and they were hungry and they started walking through the field and they started plucking the grains and they started eating and the religious people said we don't do that Woo, i'm glad we aren't like that today religious people aren't you just say it just say it and jesus said hey there's a story in the old testament how david did that He showed conviction, but he also showed compassion, and he fed his disciples. You can go on and on and on. He healed on the Sabbath. What? The religious people, for us, that sounds ridiculous, but you know what? Some of the things we do sound ridiculous when we think about it. Come on. He healed on the Sabbath. They said, you're not supposed to do that. He said, let me tell you something. He didn't say it like that, but he said, here's the truth. He said that the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. And then there's a story that I think most illustrates and best illustrates compassion and conviction. And it's a story that I've shared with you before, but but today I want us to look at this because, because it's a story that speaks to us. The backdrop was Jesus was returning from the Mount of Olives and he comes down to this place. And the religious people who were the religious police, if you will, they found a lady that was committing the act of adultery, and they grabbed her and drug her into the street. And the religious people wanted to stone her and kill her. They said, we have our laws. The nature of this sin was very serious. So should Jesus allow her to be stoned, or should Jesus show compassion? Because if he, if he would stir up a riot here, the Roman government would come down on him. But if he doesn't do something, he's got the, he's got the religious police here that are going to take care of it. You with me? So what does Jesus do? Oh, by the way, I've read this story my whole life. I was raised in church. I, I, you know, I didn't stay in it for parts of my life, but I, I've been in church my whole life. I read. Where was the man in this story? Why didn't they drag him out there? You know who drug him out? The religious police. Isn't it funny how, as religious police, we kind of pick and choose the things we want to point out of other people? Sometimes I'm convinced that it's, it's the things we point out that may be not the thing we're dealing with, but it's the thing they deal with. But conviction, this was a sin. This was a sin. And Jesus, when he's confronted with this, Jesus does something very interesting. And I, I, I watched this, and, 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 he, and can you imagine? They, they ask him a question, and, they, and he can get this thing going, and it's a mob scene, man, and it's ready to break loose. And Jesus, when they ask him a question, he kneels down, and he writes in the sand. I always wanted to know, I've always wanted to know what he wrote in the sand. Wouldn't it be interesting to know what he wrote? They were expecting him to come back with something, but they had no idea what he was going to say. You see, Jesus comes back and he says to them in John 8, 7, he says this, let any one of you who's without sin throw the first stone at her. So here's the deal. They bring her out, they accuse her, they got this mob thing going on. They said to Jesus, what do we do? He kneels down, he writes in the sand, and he pauses, he pauses, he pauses, and he says, let you that is without sin. You ever heard a rock hit the ground? I imagine there was a chorus of them going on and they walked away the lady standing there. Now I want you to watch this. You see, there's a point in this story that sometimes as religious in religion, we see people as the enemy, but Jesus sees sin as the enemy, not the person. That's what we should do. Conviction, truth. The only one that should have that could have been offended at this situation, the God of the universe walking in flesh shows conviction frustration. And you know what? I believe he does that today for us. I believe he does that today for us. See, religion makes God the boss and us the employees, but, but Jesus makes God the Father, and he makes you and I sons and daughters. Somebody ought to be saying amen. What a blessing. What a thought. What a thought when you see the extension of grace. The point of this story is, The point of this story and this tug-of-war tension thing that we're seeing here is that we all are people that are in need of compassion at one time or another. And the point here is that sometimes religion sees people as the enemy, but but Jesus sees sees sin as the enemy, and, and, and he's for you today. I believe that he does that because he loves us. Go and sin no more. He didn't let her off. He didn't say everything's cool. He said, go and sin no more. An author, Hugh Halter, wrote this. He said, the powerful revelation is that God of the universe in this story, the one who had genuinely been offended, who could have postured himself as a judge, executioner, and so forth, literally lowers himself to her level and becomes her only friend, her protector, and her advocate. Here's something that I want you to understand and consider this. Jesus was for her. For her sin, but he was for her. Here's the question to ask ourselves the next time we're in a situation where our conviction or our compassion shows up, we should ask that question Are we for that person? What are our motives? If we can't say we're for them, do we have the right to challenge them with our convictions? Conviction, compassion. Our actions as disciples should always be redemptive. What is it makes us so quick to judge when in reality we all have sinned? And when we, recognize, when we recognize God's compassion for us, it makes us want to extend it to them. We're not condoning sin, but we're loving the person, and that's what Jesus did. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whether it's pride, selfishness, anger, bad judgment, when we truly understand compassion that we've received, Religion grades on righteousness. I mean, religiousness grades on a curve, but Jesus grades on a cross. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. His grace is amazing. He's for you. Someone described God's grace as, as like water. When you look at a mountain that flows uh, uh, 29,000 feet, the water flows down, and it comes all the way down, and it flows into the ocean. That's a great example, but grace is like that. Only grace comes down, and it flows into the darkest parts of our world. God in Christ is seeking you, and he's seeking me, seeking us in those shameful places which we hide from others. He's seeking us to reconcile us. He's writing in the sand. And saying, go and sin no more. After everyone left, Jesus had that conversation. He, he showed her compassion. You see, conviction is not diminished in the touch of mercy. This God of mercy loves us too much to let us stay in our sin. He loves you too much. He doesn't want you there. Go and sin no more is what he says. My prayer is... To be a Christian that speaks truth, but also shows compassion. And it can be done. I know, it's hard in today's world. It's hard sometimes to hold the line on things that we believe. You know, But, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus tells us to go into the world and be his examples. And our motive should always be that we are for that person to be drawn to God. That's the motive. And to extend grace. Jesus lives In the end. And he calls us to live in that as well. What might that look like when we live in the end? What does it mean when we feel the tug of war? It means, first of all, that we should resist taking the bait, just like Jesus. Now, you're looking at me going, hey, preacher boy, you got this down? No. But I'm working on it. I don't know how many times in my life I've seen a situation where I thought, rack, 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 you know? And then I find out the whole story with the person. And then I realize compassion. Compassion. So when we hear something, just like Jesus, maybe if we just pause for a moment. Just pause for a moment. I prepared this sermon two weeks ago. I had a situation happen to me a week and a half ago. And I didn't know what to do. And I stopped and I prayed, and within just a few seconds, boom. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because of him, because I stopped. Normally, I'm just like, crack, 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 you guys are shocked, right? That I'm just like that? But sometimes, when a situation happens in our world, and something comes into our life, stop. Listen. And listen. Resist the bait. Stop. Don't just react in the explosiveness of the moment. Remember, Jesus took a moment in this story, and the scripture says in another place to be slow to speak and slow to anger. I don't know about you, but that runs right up my back. That goes right against my grain. My mother, I'm just like her. I hope she's not listening to this because I should take that out, will you? slow to speak, don't just react, listen to understand. That means that we genuinely get to know people, get to know people and try to understand what's going on in their world. Conviction and compassion. When we get to know somebody, maybe we can find out different things about that and then the Holy Spirit can speak through our situation. And then here's the last thing, speak the truth. Because if I'm speaking it like the religious police, what good is that? Speak it in love, just like Jesus, we should be redemptive in our actions always. Everything he did, he did it to be redemptive. Even when he flipped the table, he was doing that to get their attention. Michelangelo saw a block of marble that some man owned as he walked through the city, and he said, "Um, that's valuable to me. The owner said, it has no value to me at all. Michelangelo said, there's an angel in prison in that block of marble, and I must set it free. If you think about it, inside every sinner, there's a saint. God wants to work in your life. He wants to work in mine. What are you following in this world? What are you following as truth? I want to close today with a story that I heard, and, and I think it kind of speaks to us, because we need truth in the world today. We need to hear the truth. Because the truth will set us free. There's a man who walked to work every day, and he'd always pass by this clockmaker's store, and and he would synchronize his watch with the clock that's set in the window of the clockmaker's shop. The clockmaker watched this man do this over a period of years, and and one day he struck up a conversation with the gentleman, and he said, uh, he said, "What what, do you do that? Why are you doing that? The man reluctantly admitted that he had worked as a timekeeper at the nearby factory over across the road. And his malfunctioning watch made it easy and necessary for him to be, you know, on time and and constantly readjusted. It helped him to come over there and reset it every day at 4 o'clock. He could synchronize it. It worked out for him. When he told the clockmaker this story, the clockmaker dropped his head. He began to chuckle. He said, man, that's really funny. He said, I hate to tell you this, but my clock, it doesn't work well either. And I've been adjusting it to the horn that blows every day at 4 o'clock. That's a perfect picture of the society in which we live. Here's the truth. We will never know what time it is. And the clocks of our lives will always be wrong until we set them on God's eternal timepiece. It's always accurate. Always accurate. His name is Jesus. Compassion, conviction, those are things that we can share. Those are things that are real. Whose clock are you on? setting your watch to today that's the question my prayer is that it's jesus my prayer is that we each go out of this place today with our convictions but also with more compassion that we can share the gospel in this world following jesus doesn't always mean that either or but sometimes it's both and pray with me father thank you for this day and thank you lord for grace Thank you, Lord, for truth. I pray, God, that you give us the ability and the courage and the wisdom to know those things and to share them in the way that you would have us to share them, Lord, But that we would love people, that we would have conviction, but we would also show compassion. And in those times of -of tug-of-war, we would listen for your spirit to speak to us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for Jesus. It gives us hope because we all have sinned and come short of your glory. But our hope is in you, Lord, the Messiah that came to this world, that gave his life for us, For God so loved the world that whosoever, thank you, Lord, for that whosoever. And I pray, God, that there's a whosoever here today, that they'll accept you. Lord, I pray that today, that, that perhaps this message is spoken to someone who has something in their life, that they recognize, hey, God is for me. He's really for me, and he wants to do a work in my life, and I pray, God, they take those first steps today. They put their trust in you and in the days to come. God, I just pray that you do a work in all of our lives in this community. Thank you for what you're doing in our